This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. Welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. This week, I'm celebrating five years of podcast conversations being dropped every Tuesday. That's 249 conversations, not including the 21 days of gratitude we journeyed through back in November. While we tend to focus on gratitude during the Thanksgiving season, Lent, which begins Wednesday, February 14th, is another great time to start a gratitude practice. You can listen to all 21 days and download a four-week gratitude practice for free at graceenoughpodcast.com slash free gratitude practice. That's graceenoughpodcast.com slash free gratitude practice. Today, I sit down with my friend, email marketing guru, and Instagram mentor, Ruthie Gray. But we aren't talking about any of those things. Ruthie joins me to discuss discovering purpose in your empty nest years and caring for your aging parents while still pursuing your dreams. It's an honest conversation between two friends that I think will encourage you to take the next step you've been reluctant to take. Ruthie Gray, welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my goodness. I always say it. People (laughs) who listen get so tired of it, but nothing better than having a conversation with my friend. It's just different. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's true. We're girlfriends. That's right. We really are. Um, But I know I'm going to learn some stuff about you today that I do not know, because the reality is our friendship is based a lot on what we do in the podcasting world and marketing world and all the things. And we know other things, but. A thing or two, maybe. That's right. I'm going to learn a lot. So let's start with this. I like to ask people how they first came to know Christ. Like, what does that early faith journey look like for you? Well, it's real early, like as in four years old. I love it. (laughs) So I was reared in a Christian home. Uh, My parents loved the Lord Mm -hmm. and they were in full-time Christian service. Mm -hmm. And my dad had preached that night at church and we came home and he read the alligator tract to me. I guess it was on children's level. I don't know. But (laughs) after that, (laughs) I said that I wanted to accept Christ as my savior. Mm. And so that's where it started. So did you really consistently learn to walk with them then throughout your life? Or like most of us, you were like, uh, peace out on this for a little while. So I was a pleaser. Mm, yeah, you're a rule follower. Yeah, I don't, so I, I don't, I don't I have that followed. one. <laughs> I know you don't. I know you don't. <laughs> but I love you anyway. Um, my husband, too, he, he shares that with you. But anyway, <laughs> um, 
I just, you know, didn't buck the system. I just mm. believed because I believed, but I didn't really, it wasn't like I read my Bible every day from age yeah. four on, you know, um, right. that really didn't happen until I remember my mom saying, you know, Ruthie, you really should read your Bible. And I'd be <laughs> like in first grade and I would go through the these and the thous and the begets. And I'm like, oh, you know, and I know. And so uh, it actually was in seventh grade that I had a Bible teacher. I went to a mm. Christian school. I was in mess. I could not get away you. from mm -hmm. Christianity anywhere, but he just made it seem so exciting. Like yeah. God's word was exciting and yeah. living as a Christian was exciting and you should read it for yourself. Yes. And so that's what did it for me. I just started reading and, and I found out he was right. Yeah. Oh, it is so true. That's such a testimony to, to what it can be like to just have one person in your life who kind of makes it come alive for you and connects the dots. I like to say a lot of times because God's word really is one big story with a lot of little stories in the middle. Yes. And once you get that, it does get exciting because it doesn't feel like Leviticus is like totally detached from Matthew, mm -hmm. you know, but that takes a while. It, oh, it takes a long time. I remember um, trying to read through my whole Bible from the time <laughs> uh, he would do a challenge for our church, you know, like, okay, who's going to read through the Bible? And you know, halfway through January, most of us had quit and including myself. Mm -hmm. And then um, I remember going, I had to read through the whole Bible when I was in Bible college. And uh, I remember just speed reading because, you know, you would do Habakkuk and then you would have a test and, <laughs> you know, there's all that stuff going on. And I never really started reading the Bible through as a whole until I became a Gigi. No, it was oh. right before then when my kids started uh, leaving, most of them were gone. And I found in a local Christian bookstore uh, a through the year Bible, one year Bible. And I thought, you know what? I looked at it, it and looked inside. I thought, I think I can do this. Mm -hmm. And I have, that was 20, I don't know, 2010, I think. Mm. or something like that. And I've been doing it every ever year ever since. And yeah. I love it. Oh, I love it. Yeah. It it changes for sure. Well, we could talk about that for a long time, but once you said once I started going through the empty nest, um that's when I started reading all the way through. That's a great segue into what we're talking about today because you are a mom of four adult children and you had this kind of crisis when they started leaving the nest of like, oh my gosh, what's my purpose? And I can relate to that in the sense of I'm not even close to empty nesting and I'm already concerned about, about <laughs> what's going to happen when they leave, particularly my oldest. I think I might die, but that's uh, another conversation. <laughs> like he kind of holds us all together. But um, tell me what you know, what did life look like for you when they were all little? Because I think it's important for people listening to know that we're all a bit crazy and life is hectic when we have littles. Oh, my word. Yeah, that was nuts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, well, Jim worked out of town. That's my husband. He worked out of town every week. Um, he Are was you gone serious? At least, when they were all little? I'm totally, he has always worked out of town always Sweet goodness no <laughs> no ma'am oh uh, listen 
So we used to live in the DC area in Martinsburg, actually West Virginia. And he, he worked on Capitol Hill and he I would did not catch, know this. Yes, ma'am. And he would catch the train at four 30 in the morning. And I had three little ones. The youngest was just a newborn. Well, and in, this was even before she came along too. And he would get home at 7 p.m. and I would be standing at the door with the kids and be like, we're going out. <laughs> at 7 <p. laughs> I'm like, we are not staying in this house one minute longer. Oh. It was bad. Oh, it was it was bad. And um, <laughs> and then I had the fourth and she was not planned. In fact, one of us was supposed to get something done before she came along and that didn't happen. So I made sure I drove that person to the <laughs> hospital to get that done while I was pregnant with this one. Um, oh. but I, I, it was just nuts. And then I had her and she had her days and nights mixed up. And then she was a Velcro child would never let me out of her sight. And I was just going bananas. And then oh, I, yeah. I was also at that time, we had moved back from DC, but he was still working out of town. Oh, um, yeah, it's tough. He's the tech. He's the tech guy that knew how to fix all the things to do networking, you know, and uh, engineering yeah. and all that stuff. And so that's where they needed him was in the bigger cities. So you know, I, this could go on and on. But I, at the time, I was working at the local Christian school where our kids were going, the two older ones, and I was teaching music there so that they could go. Yeah. Yeah. And we were taking the babies and the secretary was watching the babies. <laughs> I went and taught all these classes at school and uh, it was nuts, man. I remember one. Uh, okay. One more story. Okay. And then I'll stop on this tangent, but you okay. did ask me about <laughs> life when they were little. I did. So we'd get home from school and I would be so sick of kids. And I was teaching like K4 up to 12th grade music. And we got home one day and I had had it and the kids started fighting and I put the older two outside on the porch and locked the door, locked the screen door. I was like, go play. Now, mind you, we live in the country. That's right. Yeah. No one's around except for their grandparents who are right over the hill there at the house. They could have gone to visit them. That would have yeah. been fine. So unbeknownst to me, I'm trying to fix dinner. That's why I put them outside because they were picking on the younger two. And it starts raining. And my husband drives up. <laughs> it's raining and the kids can't get in. And he comes in and starts yelling at me. Why did you lock them out? <laughs> it was a whole big thing. Because it could have been worse if you didn't lock them out. That's Yeah, what I feel they like. could have been barely alive. So. That's right. That's right. Well, and I mean, I think the thing is, is that I ask stuff like that because even now where I am, I mean, I have a 13, 11 and an eight year old. And I mean, it even now is easier than it was when they were oh really little. Goodness. Now, mentally, it's not easier now no. because problems are different, but the mm -hmm. fatigue level is totally different. And see, mm -hmm. you've survived. You now have adult children who have their own children and you're Gigi and you like it. And so yes, what I, <laughs> I want to know is what were the thoughts you had about being an empty nester when your kids were still home? Nothing. Like, did you have any vision? So <laughs> it you was never going to happen. These kids were okay. never going to leave. 
especially mm. when they were little. I thought they're never going to leave. Now, oh, yeah, we all once think they, that. they'll never sleep again. They'll, they'll never go never, to the bathroom. They'll on. never go to school. <laughs> they'll right. never leave. So, um, no, but there were seven years in between all of them. Okay. So when they were age seven and up, because mm. the baby turned out to be a blessing, that kid was the most mm. organized, clean, neat freak. She kept it. She worked circles around everyone else. I don't and know she still I, does. And she still does. She still does. Yeah. So anyway, uh, from age seven on, I was like, oh, I can do this. This is fun. Yeah. yeah. And then I realized, you know, the 14 year old by that point was the oldest, you know, and I was like, oh, no. He's going to leave me or she, she, yeah. yeah, there were three she's and a he, but, um, yeah. And so then I did start thinking, you know, once she was 18, I was mm. like, mm, I wonder what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, what am I going to do? But I still, I'm, I'm one of these people that procrastinates and I don't like Same. to worry till the last minute. Same. I think that's healthier anyways. <laughs> I do too. I do too. These people who get all worked up 10 years before something happens. I'm like, you just need to live for tomorrow, girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I ain't into that. But so I, I did wait till the last minute and then that's when it hit, you know, so that's. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. So you've written this book called Empty Nest Awakening, where you do share a bit of your personal experience once you came to that realization of like, oh my gosh, they're gone. I don't know what the heck to do with my life. And, you know, there's a bit of a depression that comes in with that. Now, maybe not for everybody, but just trying to find that purpose and that like, blindsided feeling of this is what I've done for the last however many years of my life. And not that it's over, but they're not in my house anymore. And so share a little bit of that experience when that kind of came crashing down on you. Well, my oldest left and it wasn't a really huge transition because I had three more mm -hmm. still at home. They were older. Um, they had gone to local colleges up to that point. The two mm -hmm. middle ones did. The The youngest was still, I was still homeschooling her. And uh, the oldest got married, but she lived 20 minutes away. So it was not a big deal at all. I was mm. like, I got three more. This is nothing. Well. You thought you were really doing great, huh? Yeah. I thought I was doing awesome. I was happy for everybody, you know. And then the middle two decided that they wanted to go to college outside of the state in two different states in two different opposite directions. Mm. 
we were like, okay, well, we can help you do this. And I was excited for them, you know, right? We yeah, shopping, yes. you know, and all this stuff. And it was great. I have always been a big proponent of my children's independence yeah. because I'm excited for them. That's right. But after they left, it was like this sense of impending doom all mm-hmm. around me. And I was like, oh, this is awful. My job is done. Mm. My life is over. <laughs> yeah. And that's really what you felt like. That's what I felt like. Yeah. I had no purpose. Even though you still had your youngest one at home, the mm-hmm. dynamic of the family had just shifted so much mm-hmm. that you really had that overwhelming feeling of what the heck am I going to do? Mm-hmm. What'd your faith look like at that time? Oh, it was, it was grounded. So you're, you're in the word. Like, are you asking God any questions at the, by this point? Like, okay. I got to get out of this funk somehow. (laughs) Okay. So share that with us a little bit. Like what are some of the things that you're wrestling with or that you begin to wrestle with? Cause I think it takes us a while to get to the point where we're like, okay, I don't have to stay here. (laughs) Yeah. My life's really not over. (laughs) Yeah. I I just, so for me, I've always been a person that has to be busy doing something always. And as a mom of four, you could get that, you know, but yeah, you're you're never not busy. (laughs) <laughs> the, the way I was raised is exactly right. Mm-hmm. Um, though that you, even if you watch TV, you could be busy doing something. Like my mm. mom was a seamstress. She always had a dress in her hand that she was hemming. Or if she was making it for me, she would put give it to me and say, hey, here, you do the finished work. I made this for you. You know, you can watch Little House on the Prairie while you do that. Um, so I was just always doing something and like in young motherhood, it would be like a cross stitch project, you know, or something like that. And so I felt like I had lost my purpose and I, I was all of a sudden just, I found myself staring out windows and that was not me. Mm. I, I just, I couldn't get it together, but I had been blogging just for fun for the last few years on Blogspot. So I felt the Holy Spirit's nudge because I was Mm. praying about it, like Mm -hmm. on my face, Lord, what am I supposed to do now? I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And I felt his nudge to, to start writing more for other people, you know, not just my family and friends. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I was like, well, how can that really do anything? I don't know. You know, so I just, I started praying about it. Okay. And so after that, how long was it before you really got to the point where you're doing what you're doing now, which is you've cultivated, you teach a lot of people about online marketing, um, email marketing, how to build community on Instagram. And so how long was it from those days of praying before you got to where you are, you know, building what you're building now? Hmm. Uh, it's been a long time, <laughs> maybe, maybe 15 years, but you started early on yeah. really starting trying to cultivate that, but really didn't hone in until what would you say the last five years? I didn't hone into what I'm doing now until the last five years. Yeah. Yeah. But you did all kinds of stuff with mom groups and things yeah, like that, that before was, too. Yeah. I did that for several years before I got to where I am now. That's right. And so I, I think that's just speaks to um, we can have purpose in a lot of different ways and then it does change over time, but there's two different choices there. 
you can sit and feel sorry for yourself and just turn into someone who does only watch TV all day and just say mm-hmm. busy about, um, I don't want to say unimportant things, but I don't know what other word to use, unimportant things, or you just keep praying and seeking the Lord and acting on where you feel like he's nudging you to go. Right. And at that point, I had I was out of choices and I couldn't figure out what I was supposed to do. And I knew that the Lord was asking me to do that. And it was like, either do that or be unhappy. Mm, oh, really? <laughs> really? Okay. And it you and you still point. were like, I don't really want to. Were you kind of like, yeah. like me? Because I'm like that too. I'm like, okay, I know you're asking me to do this, but I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. I said that I don't want to for three years. Actually, oh, confession time. <laughs> yeah, it was longer than that. Actually, I do talk about it in the book. I just kind of put it off and it was like halfway in there, you know, and until I finally you was know, okay, okay, Lord, I'll do it. Well, so you mentioned in the book, helping readers trace threads of their life and then weaving them into a tapestry of purpose. And isn't that just a beautiful picture? I love it. But you talk about that. And so give us some practical insights or exercises for someone who's maybe listening, who is like, I feel this. My kids are gone. I've stayed home with them. Or maybe I haven't stayed home with them, but my life has been fully mm-hmm. focused on them. Mm-hmm. And I can't even think straight. How in the heck am I supposed to weave threads of my life? Well, first of all, they can't think straight because they're in menopause now or (laughs) pre-menopause. Amen to that, sister. (laughs) That's normal. Um, (laughs) Something that doesn't get talked about enough. There you go. Yeah, for sure. Um, The things that, like, I I take the reader through some exercises in the book to weave the threads, and there are several questions you can ask. And really, I base them on my journey and how I got here. And I list all the things that happened to me. Mm. And then I turned it around and flipped the script script and said, okay, let's think about this. How were you brought up? What are Mm. your learned behaviors? What are your inherent traits also? Like things that just come easy to you. Um, and then what are, what are like some hobbies that you like, or that you might like to pick up or that you might like to learn? Mm -hmm. What's something that you've always wanted to do, but you haven't been able to do it, but now you have time, you know, and you're just brainstorming, you're kind of brain dumping and also look at your learned traits. What did you learn? Mm. Um, maybe you cultivated some talents that just kind of metamorphosized, like my metamorphosization. Is that a word? Well, we just made it a word, girl. (laughs) I don't know if that's a word, but, um, sure. (laughs) We'll say it is anyway, uh, was I used to be super, super, super introverted and I'm still at my core Mm -hmm. an introvert. But through my upbringing of my parents being a pastor, pastor's wife, building community there, greeting people as they came in, mm-hmm. my mom was a, my mom was a connector of people and she made okay. our little church family feel like it, they were family. You know, oh. everybody was connected and she was great at connecting people. And 
eventually I learned that from her. Yeah. Like she would go around and talk to everyone, uh, go to pew to pew, you know, and now me, I was sitting on the front row clipping my fingernails, you know, and hoping that no one would talk to me. Um, <laughs> but she challenged me as I got older and, and you'll read in the book, there are some things that she made me do that were way out of my comfort zone. But eventually yeah, I was doing the same thing. I was just going around pew to pew, talking to people, greeting people, just like I yeah. was the community connector junior. Really? Okay. Um, I could see that, but that's yeah. not really your natural self. No, it's not. But it was a, a trait that I had learned and, um, and I was good at it. And something else that I'm good at is being a leader but I didn't realize that until, you know, I was older in life and forced into situations. Mm -hmm. I found out I was good at, I was a good salesperson. I was, I used to sell Mary Kay so I could get a break out of the house from the kids during <laughs> that same time when Jim was working, the girl that brought me in to Mary Kay, she would watch my kids because she knew I was making more money than her. So she just watched <laughs> the kids. For me, and I was like, "Yes, please take them. I'm going. I'm out of here." And I, I feel you. Yeah, and and that's how I learned that I was actually inherently good at marketing. So I encourage the reader, uh, the empty nest mom, to think about just the different things you're good at, and not and don't discredit anything because right. A lot of times you're good at stuff that's just natural to you, but it's not natural to everyone else. I know. And then we're, I feel like we can too find ourselves in situations where we're around some people who are also, this is, this is me. I shouldn't say everyone. You're around people who are somewhat like you. So you just think what you have to offer isn't needed because your little yeah. pool of people are doing what you do, but there's like 7 billion people in the world. And mm -hmm. so exactly. the 200 that you hang around is not really that uh, big of a percentage no, <laughs> of people isn't. that are good at what you do. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. I mean, it, it's so crazy. And so I, mm -hmm. I like to ask too, like, what's that thing that really makes you come alive? You know, I mean, because sometimes it's even just mm -hmm. that thing that really, like, I mean, I come off of a stage of teaching people about God's word. And I mean, like, I feel invigorated by that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not everybody feels that way. Like some people that just terrifies them. Like that's their worst nightmare. And so I always encourage people to think about stuff like that too. Yeah, exactly. What does light you up? That's basically it. What mm -hmm. lights you up? And it's not going to be the same for everybody. No. And you're going to have a different twist on it than other people do too. That's right. And then you got to be patient with yourself because things don't mm -hmm. happen overnight. Well, not always. Sometimes they do. But I think that's the exception. Yeah. Ruth, he's <laughs> like, yep. You're right. And it, I mean, I'm living proof of that because here I am all these years later after trying several different things yeah. to grow a business. And I'm here now, but it took a long time. Yeah. And I mean, I guess the thing is too, like, are you glad you kept going? Absolutely. So it was fun. The, the entire route was fun. It was just full of zigzags. Right. And, but I loved every point, you know, um, I've been reading this book called 10 X is easier than two X. Yeah. Eric's I love that book. too. Oh man. So 
every time you grow and stretch yourself, you're basically 10 Xing yourself and you're leaving the two X, the little, the little stuff that's holding you back. Mm. You're leaving it behind. So I feel like I've done that in the past. And in the last five years though, I've 10 X just about every year, sometimes twice a year. Mm. And um, the more you get used to putting yourself out there and trusting your instincts and trusting uh, in yourself and, and you, you know, owning your confidence and it's your God confidence is what it is. Um, and the desires that he has put there, mm-hmm. then um, the more you 10 X yourself, but that's another topic. <laughs> well, but I appreciate what you're saying because I think about people that we have who are friends that are in common and how emptiness can bring on more time for you. And I think sometimes we get this mentality of it's too late by then. Mm-hmm. And instead I've watched people like Kathy and mm-hmm. she's just now coming into, she really loves to sh- to share fashion finds and all of these things for women her age. And like, she wasn't even doing that three years ago and she's mm-hmm. enjoying it, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, even Melanie, is Melanie's last name Red? Yes. You know, she has a passion for teaching people and women and encouraging them and pouring into them. And I mean, she's done different iterations of that over Mm -hmm. time. And so that list goes on of people that we know who Mm -hmm. you don't have to keep doing the exact same thing. And you have more free time. Mm -hmm. It allows you to take more risks sometimes than someone like in my shoes. I'm like, okay, I can't do that because on Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, I've got three kids at home that I'm schooling. Right. So with your podcast and with your community that you have, Authentic Online Marketing, you say a lot of times this mantra, community grows opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I want to know what you mean by that. I mean, I know. I want you to tell everybody else what you mean by that. (laughs) You know that real well. Yes. Tell Um, me that first and then we'll kind of play (laughs) off of that a little bit. As long as you stay by yourself, like when I was staying by myself in my house, trying to learn how to blog and had no idea what I was doing and was like, where's all the Christian bloggers at? I need it's lonely help. too. Whew. It was lonely, but an email dropped and it was by this lady I'd been following and she was opening a Christian bloggers boot camp. Well, I enmeshed myself in that boot camp. We became a community. That was my very first community. And we learned alongside each other. If one of us learned uh, answers to something, someone else would ask in the community and Mm. she would have the answer and we supported each other and we supported each other's blogs. And that's how we grew and sharpened each other. Mm -hmm. So I'm just likening that to like, if I had stayed inside my shell at my house and I did do it online. Yes. Yeah. But online brought more and more opportunities. And so that's, that's my situation now as not everyone wants to do things online. And that's something I encourage in the book is whatever you feel the nudge towards, just take the first step, Mm -hmm. but see if you can find a community. Like if, if you're if you want to do a cycling class, ask a friend to join you. Yeah. And once you're there, I mean, you're going to build community that way. But community helps bring things out of you. They cheer you on mm-hmm. and you cheer them on. You're you're creative. We're created for community. We are. And 
even people who are uber introverted, like you need it. I mean, you Mm -hmm. really need it. Maybe not as much as someone like me. (laughs) (laughs) Who who really, Kathy. (laughs) Um, But I mean, I look at my son even, and he's very introverted at this stage, but I mean, he comes to life in a different way when he kind of puts himself out there and just Mm -hmm. chooses to be a part of a team or Mm -hmm. to engage, you know, in the small group at church. And um, yeah, I mean, it just grows our minds in a way. And even, even sometimes people that are difficult in community can be very good for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hate to admit that, but that's true. (laughs) So then tell me when you think about community grows opportunity, how do you apply that to empty nesters who are at that place of not, not quite where you are. I just think that you need to find, find community that are like-minded in like, they don't all have to be an empty nest. They could uh, be a knitting group (laughs) or, you know, just think about what I, what I'm encouraging empty nest moms to do is first like journal and brainstorm. What are some things you'd be interested in? What could Mm -hmm. you do? And then you know, like make some phone calls or look on the Google and see (laughs) what's out there for you. If you want to take Zumba classes or tango or what, you know, I don't know, Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, Think of something like that, or maybe you are interested in a podcast or something online or growing uh, an Instagram account just, you know, for, I don't know, maybe you want to use it as a ministry or something like that. If you can find a community that is doing the same thing, um, I encourage you to do that, you know, whether it's free or paid, Mm -hmm. uh, but you need, you need some people. Yes, I know. I mean, and I even think about like some friends that I know who even just starting to volunteer at some local organizations Mm -hmm. that you might not know that you're going to love it. Exactly. And then three, five years later, you're like you know, leading half the ministry, not that you have to do that, but because you did end up finding people that you serve alongside and you became passionate about something. And, you know, one thing leads to another, but like you said, if you don't take that first step and it's okay to take the first step and say, you know what, that's not for me. And then do something else. (laughs) Exactly. At least you'll know you'll have clarity Mm -hmm. by moving. Yes. Yes. Oh, so true. All right. Well, let's um, end with this. You talk a bit about the sandwich season for empty nesters where you're balancing caring for aging parents while, you know, starting to have grandkids. Or I think for some people, it can even be your kids are in college still. For my generation, I feel like, oh my goodness, I just had kids later. And so, you know, your kids are out of the house, which mine aren't, but you know what I'm saying? Mm Mm-hmm. How can your, or how does your book offer some encouragement, some guidance for that season? Because that is a part of your story. I am an only child and I became a full-time caregiver basically for both my parents Mm -hmm. uh, within three months of each other. My mom had a stroke and then my dad had um, emergency surgery and a subsequent car wreck uh, that changed his life forever and Mm -hmm. the stroke changed hers. And I was still trying to homeschool my youngest Mm two, actually my youngest two uh, in high school. And um, 
all of this started happening at once. And I thought I was going to lose my mind. I, it was worse than when the kids were all home and I locked the two out in the rain. (laughs) (laughs) It was way worse because. Well, ailing um, adults are different than children who are young and just don't know yet. You know, I mean, it's a different thing to switch into caregiving mode for your own parents. Yeah, because they've been independent for so Mm -hmm. long and then they don't realize their limitations Mm -hmm. and then you end up having to rescue them from themselves. Yeah. And they don't like it. They don't like it. They don't quite believe that they're there yet still. Like my mom, when she had her stroke, I ran down the hill because my parents lived beside me. I ran down the hill and she was dragging her hand over her cereal insisting on eating. And my dad had already told me that he was going to call the ambulance. Well, he's standing there right next to her, wishing she would hurry up and her mouth is drooping. And and you're like, this is not, we can't wait. I looked at him and I knew that. I knew time was of the essence, but they didn't know that. And I said, I looked at him and said, do you want me to call an ambulance? And he said, yes. And mom says, no, I don't need an ambulance. (laughs) I mean, I used to tease her after that. It's like she was in such denial. Well, uh, yeah. She was mad because we went to the hospital and um, she missed one of her girlfriend's birthdays. They were going to all go out to lunch, you know, and at the the time she was 72, you know, she was still able to drive and stuff like that. So anyway, you know, it it was hard. The denial was uh, strong with that one. She's a strong willed Mm -hmm. child parent. And, um, and then, but then dad, I just didn't expect him to fall apart too, because he's three years younger than her. Oh yeah, but it was just this whole big thing, and um, I it just kept going, and it wasn't stopping. And then she had a fall and broke her clavicle, and then it, it was just—I was overwhelmed. I was like, yeah. "God, why is this happening?" You know, there's only one of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that a lot of people can feel that way. It was so hard, and I just kept coming to the Lord and just praying in between the cracks and crevices. I tried to, like, I would take my gym bag at the time we were members at the Y and it was right around the corner from the hospital. And I would just run in there and run off some steam, you know, Mm. on the elliptical for 30 minutes and then get back in there and try to chase down doctors and get some ideas and get some answers. Well, so at this point though, you didn't have grandchildren yet. Not yet. And your journey with caring for them. I mean, you're still, you still have your mom. Yeah, it's been almost 14 years. 14 years. But you, I mean, lost your dad in the middle of having at least two grandkids, I know. Yeah, I already had the two. Yeah. And so what's that like? Like that caring for them and yet still trying to be involved with your grandkids' life? Because it's another really busy season. I think it's easy to think or empty nesters and that's it but we so often go into that role of caregiving for parents then while you're yeah. also trying to help your own kids yeah it was tough uh at the time after my grandson was born and they were only 2 years apart um my grandson and my granddaughter i had to babysit him almost every day because his mommy was working and then the granddaughter came along and i had to babysit both of them and I was still trying to take care of my parents. So I would bring my grandkids home and my parents, by this time we had built 
an attached apartment onto our house so that we could manage mom and dad better and they didn't have to go up and down stairs and things. So I would take the grandkids over there to visit them so that they could have some interaction. By this time, we were just like in maintenance mode. I would take them over there and dad and mom would so enjoy them, but it was like having two toddlers in the room with two grown toddlers and they would all be vying for my attention and needing stuff. And it was absolutely bananas. It's nuts. Oh my God. I mean, I was like, I'm going to go to the funny farm. (laughs) Yes. I feel like I might, I mean, I feel anxious thinking about that, but at the same time, I'm so grateful that, you know, you're able like, I'm sure that you don't look back and go, Nope. I wish I would. I wish I would have done something different with my dad. No, I don't because I did everything in my power. I mean, it's amazing that he was able to stay alive for 10 years. Yeah. 10, 11, maybe it was 11 years. It was sad because he wasn't his same self, Mm -hmm. but he was at his core, his same personality, you know? And yeah. um, So I, I do not regret anything. Well, I can't say that, you know, like I'm well, sure you don't that regret I, caring for them and having no, them in your home. Not at all. Not there's not one regret for that. And I'm I'm so glad that I took the time to do that, you know, and I will say this. There's a word of hope here, though. At one point, I was able to start investing in help and getting help. Mm. And that really helped save my sanity so that I could start traveling with my husband more, who was still, by the way, traveling (laughs) for work. (laughs) And um, I was able to start going with him. And then once dad passed away, uh, my load got way lighter because my mom was really, she's, she's got it all together mentally. It's just physically she doesn't, you know, and Um, so I, we still have help and I just want to encourage anyone out there that's listening, that's in this situation to try and get help sooner than you think you need to. Mm. And don't be afraid to ask for help Mm. and don't be ashamed to ask for it because you need it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good word. Really. I think that that helps you care for them longer, you know, I mean, because we all have to appreciate them better. You know, at one point I talked to their financial advisor and I said, is there any money at all for help? It was the summer yeah. that mom had broken her hip and dad was back at home. And he lost his upper teeth and, or his lower teeth and just like everything was going bananas. And that's when I was able to um, get the wheels in motion for that. But, you know, I, okay. I had been doing it all myself before then. And, you know, looking back on it, I could have asked sooner. Mm. I could have asked for help sooner, but I was just like this he woman that thought I have to do this on myself. Mm. Yeah. I think that's a good word too. If somebody's listening and they're at that place where they're like, you know what? I need to get my stuff in order too. So that when my family members need to care for me, mm-hmm. they know like what I want and you know, you, you can help re- relieve some of those burdens. Um, I know my in-laws have been in the process of doing that. And Sam, my husband's like, yeah, it's not fun to talk to mom and dad about this, but at least now I know like what's available, what they want, what their desires are, you know, Mm -hmm. and that lightens the load a bit. It is so important to do that. Get If you can get a power of attorney, you know, for their health, at least. I mean, I was thrown into all of that. I had no idea where to start with that stuff. It was crazy. It was just, it was, it was nuts. 
Yeah, <laughs> but you're making it, Ruthie. You're making it. Well, I, uh... <laughs> you're right. Uh, okay, so um, last thing then, what is your hope as this book continues to go out into the world? Someone picks it up, they finish it, they finish it. Like, what's your ultimate hope for them? My ultimate hope is that it will inspire them to try something new and to find a new purpose uh, based on what they feel like the Lord, uh, the desires that the Lord has planted in their heart. And I, I just want them to know that if you have a desire for something, no matter how frivolous you think it might be, mm -hmm. that desire is God given. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're walking with the Lord, I mean, of course, run it past them. You're going to want to pray about it. Yeah. But don't stay, don't stay like I did, you know, in the behind the scenes for like three to five year, more mm -hmm. years before you act on it, because we don't have that kind of time. And if you're at five years, today's the day for you to act it's on it. It's the day. <laughs> it's your day. Okay. Well, thanks, Ruthie. Where can everybody find you if they wouldn't connect with you? You can find me at Ruthie Gray on uh, Instagram, or you can, if you want to check out the book, it's ruthiegray.com. And there's and, all uh, kinds of fun things there. Well, yeah, I actually only the book is there. If you want to oh. find, find out my services, that's authenticonlinemarketing.com. Awesome. I appreciate you. you. Yeah, this was fun. Thanks. After visiting Ruthie's website and purchasing Empty Nest Awakening, click over to graceenoughpodcast.com slash free gratitude practice. There you can download your four-week practice to begin during Lent. Gratitude practice is an excellent way to prepare your heart for the Easter season. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time.